LSU is down not one, but two five stars. Utah is missing their quarterback, and we're picking Duke to beat Clemson outright. Week one is finally here, right here on the three technique. One man. Goodbye. Hello, Heisman. 20, 25, 30, 35, 40, 45, 50, 45. There goes Davis. Oh, my God. Davis is going to run it all the way back. Auburn's going to win the football game. Welcome in, everybody. It is a three technique college football podcast at the intersection of the X's and O's and the Jimmy's and the Joe's. I'm Mitch Mason, joined by Trey Reeves, Garrett Turney. Fellas, week one is here. We have got a full slate of games, not just week zero games, but big boy games. Uh, although it's there's only one ranked matchup this week uh, that we have to wait all the way till Sunday night to, to see, there are still a lot of quality matchups, a lot of questions that I think will get answered this week. And uh, it is going to be a blast from Thursday night all the way through Monday evening. That's what's so special about week one. We get a holiday mixed on top of it. Yeah, and it's games on games on games every single night. That's what my favorite thing about week one. Thursday night, you got a two or three games that I'm really, really excited to watch. Friday night, we've got a couple. Saturday, of course, is the full slate. And then Sunday, Monday, we've got the the dessert, which is fantastic this year. So I'm fired up, guys. Week zero was a great appetizer, but it's time for the main course. It's time for the dessert, and I'm ready for it. I couldn't be more excited. Yeah, it's been such a long off season. It's finally all the way back, right? We got the appetizer, like you were saying, Trey. We get five straight days of college football, and legitimately great matchups, legitimately fun games to watch the whole time. It's going to be amazing. Obviously, there's some of the headliners, but there's some sneaky good games on here that most people aren't really watching, and I'm excited to talk those, break those down with y'all as well. Yeah, we've got Power 5. We've got Group of 5. I mean, we are going to cover it all. There are so many really intriguing matchups. I think ones that folks might miss because there isn't a ranked icon next to their name, right? Uh, and we're going to, to break those down in full. Of course, we before we get there, Big shout out to our partners first at the Transfer Portal CFB. If you were following along last week, week zero, uh, we're pumping out a ton of content, um, whether it be uh, pre-show rankings, whether it be recaps, headlines and reviews, an article that we're writing here on the 3Tech pod that goes up on their website each and every week. Their Twitter accounts obviously are powered by No Context CFB, so one of the most popular Twitter accounts uh, in college football is, uh, is at the heart of it. We have all the headlines, all the news, all the memes ready for you. So make sure you're following uh, both the 3Tech uh, Pod account at 3Tech Pod and the Transfer Portal CFB account over on Twitter. Also, shout out to our friends over at Homefield, Homefield Apparel, some of the best collegiate apparel on the market. They make the softest shirts that I have in my closet. Trey, you're wearing one of their, their shirts right now. Um, and uh, yeah, they're, they're just tremendous designs. They released... Southern Illinois, and I believe it was Georgia Southern merch today as a part of their champ week. We love a little bit of love for Carbondale, Illinois. I, I, I can't uh, can't stress that enough. It, it's not just for the big schools. It's for every school. Um, so like like is not, they have something that you're interested in. Best of all, use code 3TechPod. You get 15% off your first order. If you also go over to our Twitter account, 
you can buy directly through our link. That'll get you a 15% off coupon uh, if you bought from them before as well. But guys, we've waited all off season, right? Months to preview week one. It's here. Let's get into the three techs, big three, the top three games of the week that you absolutely cannot miss. Other pods talk about windows of opportunity. Uh, we call them our big three. You have to be in front of a screen for these three. And gentlemen, maybe a little bit backwards, but the only ranked matchup is Sunday night. And that's where we're starting our game of the week. Number five, LSU against number eight, Florida State. Sunday night, 6.30 p.m. Central time on ABC. Uh, LSU is a two and a half point favorite when we wrote up this script. Now, by the time you're listening to this on Thursday morning, it's a good possibility that that line might have moved just a tick closer in Florida State's favor. As I mentioned in the intro, uh, LSU is down a couple of former five stars in Mason Smith, their defensive tackle. Running back John Emery was also uh, announced that he will be missing that game at the time of recording. It's an unknown reason. Brian Kelly just announced that. Um, guys, I've, I've been talking all offseason long that I'm high on Florida State. You can see in my nameplate if you're watching on YouTube. Uh, I'm high on Knowles coin right now. I've been taking LSU to win this game because it's felt like the ball inevitably has to bounce Tigers way right after last year the craziness the blocked extra point FSU nearly blowing a two-score lead it felt like LSU would return the favor but despite those predictions you lose a couple of five stars including the bread and butter of your run defense and I can't keep saying well it feels like LSU is going to win this game so guys when I look at it I've got Florida State plus the line here, and I'm taking Florida State to win this outright. The biggest question outside of Mason Smith to me for LSU is what's their secondary going to look like? They have a couple of transfers that are coming in. Florida State does as well for their wide receiver core, but I'm much more confident that Jordan Travis, who's my pick to win the Heisman this season, will be able to distribute the football, make LSU hurt down the field against new starters than I am on the other side, LSU being able to hurt Florida State. So despite all my offseason predictions, I've actually had to flip the script today. In, in light of the recent news, I'm taking the Knowles to win this outright. Yeah, there's a lot of alarm bells going off if you are backing LSU in this game, right? You, you mentioned the suspensions, Mitch. Losing Mason Smith is no small, it's no small potatoes, just plain and simple. It's the difference in the game last year. And when these two teams were on the field last year, Mason Smith goes down for the injury. Everything changes after that. Florida State's run game opens up. The offense opens up. And quite frankly, losing him throughout last season was one of the biggest weaknesses for that LSU defense. They couldn't stop the run as consistently as they wanted to without their big boy up the middle. So, man, the alarm bells are just going off for me. And, and towards picking LSU in this one against it. And you add in the fact that Brian Kelly does not have the best track record in these big marquee out of conference games. Thinking back to his time at Notre Dame, you add in the fact that this isn't the LSU DBU of old, and they are really struggling to find, you know, who's going to be that. They know who's going to be that guy, but they haven't seen it on the field for him yet. And Florida state has the talent all over the receiving core and a new tight end and a good receiving back to, make them pay and just run circles around that LSU defense if they're not ready. So all of that to me points to taking Florida state plus two and a half. And that's what I'm going to do. I don't know if they'll win outright. 
you remember last year, this was one of the most bonkers college football games of the entire year, coming down to a blocked extra point and just a back-and-forth game that was really, really fun to watch. So I don't know. I, I don't know if Florida State wins this one outright, but I'm confident enough to take them plus the number, and I think they have a really, really good chance to win this one outright too. L- LSU is not going to just roll over with these losses, right? It's going to be a tough, grinded-out game. They've got a great offense of their own. Uh led by Daniels and they've got a really solid receiving core as well, but team to team pound for pound. I'm just more confident in Florida state right now. And that's why I'm taking them. Yeah. And for all the talk that the missed extra points getting from last year, people keep seeming to forget that it was a turnover on the goal line on the other side of the field that even set that up in the first place. So all it was, was hold on to the football and the missed extra points, a moot point, right? You don't care about that anymore. So Look, it was it, there was some sloppy play here or there from them the last year, but it was a it was a great game. Obviously, um, I think we're going to get another one of those great games again this year. You guys have pretty much said it at this point. I, I love what both teams are bringing back at a lot of different places. I think both teams bring back awesome experience at quarterback, awesome talent at quarterback. A couple of guys who we'll be talking about all year long. They bring back plenty of talent across the field, right? They they got great run games. They're both going to be able to pass the ball pretty effectively. Both going to be strong up front. My big concern is the LSU rush defense, like you were talking about, Trey. Like, it's all about the rush defense for LSU. Last year, they didn't do it. In their two late losses against AM and Georgia, they let up over 250 in both of those games rushing. Can't do that. And if you're going to do that against Florida State, it's going to keep being bad for you, and you're going to keep seeing that, that things are going to go pretty poorly. So, um, I have Florida State winning this game outright. I did pick them to go undefeated. I think they win this game not necessarily comfortably, but I don't think that it ever feels like it's a back and forth. I think that they'll kind of get out front, not quite put them away at any point, and maybe play with their food a little bit before they're done. But I do think Florida State wins this one outright because they'll be able to run the ball. They'll be able to control the clock in these shortened games. And, you know, they're going to be able to to kind of have their way there, set up the play action, do a lot down the field, maybe hit them over the top with the inexperienced secondary. I'm, I'm, I just don't think the consistency is there for LSU right now on the defensive side. Now, again, I could be totally wrong. Everything could mesh just fine. But with players out and new faces and everything else, I'll, I'll take the experience and the stuff coming back more than I'll take the, the variables with LSU. Play this game in October. Play this game in November. Maybe it goes LSU's way. Week one, give me Florida State. The counterpoint for LSU, you know, Tiger fans might be saying, hey, we hear you. Obviously, Jordan Travis is is a threat through the air, but he's got to have time to pass. And LSU did get to the quarterback at a pretty good clip last year. Harold Perkins obviously coming off the edge. They add Omar Spates in the linebacking core as well. You know, it's not it's not maybe the an NFL defensive line like we've seen, you know, Georgia or Alabama roll out there, but LSU's defensive line will be really solid. I just happen to believe Florida State's offensive line is good enough to give Travis the the couple extra moments to throw that football down the field. Um, you know, Florida State should have a decent decent balance as well. They're going to be able to run the football. So I think, I, like I said, I think it just keeps stacking up in favor mm-hmm. of FSU. Now, guys, we've taken one dog outright. All three of us agree it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. 
Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. We go to a second one. I also tease this off the rip. Number nine, Clemson. 12 and a half point favorites. They go to Duke Monday night, 7 p.m. on ESPN. This is the Labor Day special. Garrett, you have been high on the Blue Devils all season long, and you've been down on, or off season long, and you've been down on Clemson. I'll let you lead this off. You're you're really high on what the Blue Devils are going to be able to do at home. You, you feel like this line is kind of offensive. Yeah, I'm actually going to pick Duke to win this one outright. Um, and, and you're right, the line is a little bit offensive. I'm going to go ahead and say that the 12 and a half is insulting to the team that came out of nowhere and, and was my darling. I thought they'd do better uh, than their, what, three and a half win total from last year. So but let's not offend the Duke Blue Devils anymore. Let's put them some respect. Uh, look, when you when you break down Clemson, uh, I know that everyone's high on them. I know that they've been the pick in the ACC for as long as you know the last decade or so has been, and they've deserved it, right? They've been a really strong team. Uh, and they've had a lot going well. Outside of Will Shipley, there's not a piece of the offense that I really trust for Clemson. Uh, I don't trust Cade Klubnik. I haven't seen it yet. He's had great moments, but he's had a lot of really bad moments in the middle of that. And and maybe it's just the fact that he was outmatched as a true freshman. Maybe it was the fact that he didn't quite get the offense yet. And you can say whatever you want to about new offensive coordinator and whatever else. He's still learning a brand new offense in his first year and so he's got two offenses under his belt and two college football seasons for him. Um, and, and so I, I, I don't know. I, I think that that's just a lot for a young quarterback to try to handle. Um, and, and when I really try to break it down and, and think about what do I trust? Do I trust his ability with a brand new offense in the first game and making adjustments and not just playing the guys across from you that, that share your locker room versus a blue, a Duke blue devil defense that, you know, I, I think that they're going to be improved this year under Mike Elko. It's going to be a, a better defense than it was last year. He's a defensive-minded head coach. And then you take Riley Leonard, one of the most experienced quarterbacks uh, in, in the country. You have a, a guy who's really talented. He was the leading uh, rushing touchdown quarterback last year. He, he does pretty much all that you need him to do for the Blue Devils. I might get some hate from Clemson fans on this one. I just think Duke's the better team. I picked them to the ACC championship game, and a big part of that was Duke getting past this game with a W at home? I'm going to stick with it. Duke's going to win this game outright. You can come at me in the comments, Clemson fans. I love it. I love the spicy hot takes this early in the season. I, I'm excited for this one. I've had this one circled on my week one calendar for a really long time. Even before we found out that it was the Monday night opener, I was really excited to see just how this played out because – this early in the season, when you're looking at picking these games, you have to go with what you think you know that you know, right? We we all think what we know what we know until we see it on the field. And what I think I know that I know is that Duke is a really solid team. But what I'm concerned about is what does Vegas know, right? Because it's not just the slander on this line. Their Vegas win total this year was only six and a half. And I smashed that over um, to pick them as one of my darlings this year. But I'm a little concerned. Like, what does Vegas know to not give Duke the respect that I feel like they deserve? But what I know that I know is that Clemson has really struggled since Trevor Lawrence walked out that door covering against halfway decent teams. And that, for that reason, plus the fact that Cade Klubnik is a game one in this new offense, like you mentioned, Garrett Riley's going to come in. I think the offense is going to be much improved this year. 
but it's game one jitters. It's game one with this new offensive scheme and a young quarterback against a defensive mastermind head coach in Mike Elko that keeps his team in games. Guys, Duke lost three or four games last year, four games, I think, total. And I think the total point spread in those games was less than 20 points. They don't get blown out in games under Mike Elko. Mike Elko kept his teams in games with his defense at AM and Notre Dame when he was the defensive coordinator there. He's going to be ready for this Garrett Riley offense. So you give him a whole offseason to prepare. I, Duke plus 12 and a half seems like about as much of a lock as you can possibly get week one, which probably means Clemson wins by 30. I was going to say, the fact that we're all on Duke plus the number here, um, you know, just firm handshakes for for everybody in Clemson Nation that's that's celebrating 1-0 and um, based off our track record. But I, I will say this. I, I'm – High on Duke being able to cover. It's at home. Uh, they've got a great offensive line in front of Riley Leonard, who is the most slept-on quarterback in the country. I don't know that he has any difference makers out wide, right? And you could say the very same thing about Clemson. Like, who's the X factor that's going to be catching passes from Klubnik this year? I, I don't know that there's a real answer, right? O- outside of Will Shipley running the football, I don't even know that Clemson knows who's that that guy is. It's going to move the needle. Clemson's going to score points. I think Duke will as well, but I trust two things. One, I trust Garrett Riley's ability to make his quarterback comfortable. Uh, And two, I trust Clemson's defense to ultimately get a stop. Clemson has won uh, four of the last five and 10 of the last 11 in this matchup. The last Duke victory was in 2004. So, you know, it's, it's not exactly uh, some recent success, against Clemson that Duke can point to now new program new head coach I get all that I don't think Duke has the horses to win this game I think this ends up being kind of a grimy rock fight uh, of a a battle in week one but I do think Clemson will end up pulling out I just like Duke to lose by 10 11 points keep it closer at home and just squeak in that number Um, but that being said if you've got Duke winning this game please write us in let us know in the comments uh what what is your temperature on this game? Do you think Clemson runs away? Some of the, the predictions that I read when I was researching this have Clemson winning as, by as many as thirty. So there are folks out there that think Clemson goes on the road and and skull drags Duke. Um, if you're one of those people, let us know. If you're a Blue Devil supporter, let us know as well. I just want to say real quick, Garrett's not crazy. Like, don't be surprised if we end up living in a world where we wake up on Tuesday morning and Duke has beaten Clemson. Garrett, Garrett's not crazy here. That That is in yeah. the realm of possibility. Yeah, I, I was going to say, I'm not crazy because of this. I'm crazy for other reasons, but not because of this. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, let's get to the third of our big three matchup, and that is a battle in the Queen City. Number 21, North Carolina takes on South Carolina Saturday uh, at 6.30 on ABC. It's a neutral site game. North Carolina is the number 21 ranked team in the country. That seems a little bit high for me, given how they performed last season. Uh, they are two and a half point favorites against their regional rival to the South. Trey, I'm curious, uh, battle of quarterbacks, at least brand name quarterbacks. I certainly think that one of them is better than the other, uh, but this line is a very, very tight one. And I'm curious as to one, why you believe it is so tight, and two, do you think South Carolina should be the team that's favored? 
Mitch, you're absolutely right. Spencer Rattler is way better than Drake May, and let me tell you why. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> this is a tight line because of North Carolina's defense, plain and simple. I think that you know you look at Spencer Rattler, you look at him as a quarterback, and the numbers have just never followed the hype that he's had at Oklahoma and at South Carolina, right? But he's had moments, and he's definitely had moments against susceptible defenses. So this is definitely a game where he could put up some numbers. He could put up some big numbers. He could keep the chains moving. He can put up a lot of points, especially if North Carolina is not ready to go from the word go for whatever reason. South Carolina can jump on top of that, and they're a well-coached team that's going to be ready to go. South Carolina certainly has a better defense in the game. And what's giving me a little cause for pause from just going all in on North Carolina is the secondary of South Carolina, led by uh, Nick Imanwari and DQ Smith, because... I think that could be an X-Factor unit in this game. South Carolina has a really talented secondary, not just those two guys, but um, depth there as well. And Drake May, down the stretch last year, didn't exactly light the world on fire against more talented secondaries. So that's giving me a little cause for pause. Ultimately, I do think Drake May makes fewer mistakes, and that's going to ultimately lead to him leading the Tar Heels to victory. I'm going to take them minus two and a half, but... There's going to be a lot of points scored in this game. Ne- neither team is really lighting the world on fire. I'm really concerned about South Carolina's pass rush and where that's going to come from in this game. If you give Drake May all the time in the world, I don't care who your cornerbacks are, who your safeties are, he's going to make some really big-time throws. Yeah, and for me, outside of Drake May just disappearing and having a, you know, hey, he was good one year and then he forgot how to play football, that type of thing, which does happen to quarterbacks, it's happened at ACC last year with Tyler Van Dyke. It sure does. Um, and so, you know, I'm thinking outside of that, which is definitely a possibility, uh, I don't see how you can pick South Carolina to cover this one. I'm picking UNC minus the two and a half. I, I don't think South Carolina is good enough to keep up with them. I think the offense is going to be humming for UNC. I kind of don't think it matters who they throw out there at the skill positions just because of how good Drake May is. His team believes in him. Having a locker room that believes in you is a big deal. Um, having Having – guys that'll go out there and know that if they can just get open or if they can just find that window, things are going to be all right. That That's a big deal when it comes to these locker rooms and these games. Um, on the other side, I don't know you can say the same thing about the guys in the South Carolina locker room. Spencer Rattler has been anything but consistent. Um, he's had some great moments and he's had some not good moments. And so I, I'm, I'm just looking at this one and saying, I don't really care how good the South Carolina defense is. I don't really care how good, a, you know, we, we think that, you know, South Carolina's offense might be versus North Carolina's non-existent defense. I, I just don't believe in the South Carolina offense right now. Um, and so I'm going to pick UNC to cover this one. I think they'll probably win by about 10. Um, and it, that's only because I think you might have some miscues early where they're kind of getting back in a rhythm before they catch fire and get you know keep going. I'll say this. If South Carolina takes care of the football, they can win this game. Uh, their Absolutely. defense is certainly better than what UNC is going to put on the field at least from, from what we can tell so far. But South Carolina turned the ball over a ton last season, 27 times on offense. That is not a number that they can replicate this year. One, if they want to beat North Carolina. Two, if they want to match expectations that are being lofted on them left and right to be a contender in the East. Now, I'm not one of those people. I, I happen to think that South Carolina finishes more in the four or five range in the East. But... There's a lot of momentum for Shane Beamer in that program. Now, can he back it up on the field? Well, last year, 
They took a great step in starting to do that. They also lost a lot of a lot of pieces, right? Marshawn Lattimore is at USC now. They lost a ton of pass rush, uh, not to mention some of the guys in the secondary like Cam Smith that graduated and went to the NFL draft. Trey, you mentioned a couple of the cornerbacks that have stepped up. I do like their secondary, certainly more than anything that the Tar Heels are going to put on the field. But I'm a believer in Drake May over Spencer Rattler, and so I'm going to take North Carolina minus the two and a half. This is going to be a shootout. I think we could get 60-plus points scored in this rather easily. Uh, and, and for that reason, I'm going to certainly be tuning in Saturday evening uh, on EBC. Now, we've got to our big three, and you can bank on those big three games every single week. But we've also obviously have a lot of other football to cover as well. So for our get to a screen slate, these are games that we would strongly encourage you to be in front of a device to watch. And guys, we start with the game that everyone's waiting for on Thursday night, Florida at number 14, Utah. Now, when we wrote this script, again, the Utes were six and a half favorites since then. Utah has, or I guess it came out, that Cam Rising is more than likely not playing in this game. Uh, Torres ACL in the Rose Bowl is still rehabbing from that and will likely not be ready to go uh, tonight as you're listening to this against the Florida Gators. When we hit record, that line had slid all the way down to four and a half, somewhere, some places even four. Now, because we got this at its original place, we're going to bet it uh, on on that six and a half number, but I will lead off by saying, folks that are one slinging mud from the Florida side, saying they have a huge chance to pull this off. I think you're forgetting that Graham Mertz is your quarterback from the Utah side. Listen, you can't be as confident that you're going to win this game. I don't care if it's at home. Florida is not a pushover week one opponent, and losing your starting quarterback is a big deal no matter how you slice it. Now, Trey, Utah is at an advantage because uh, they have the ability to set Bryson Barnes up as QB1 this entire game week, right? And for most of the offseason, he and Nick Johnson have been able to either alternate or focus one at a time as QB1. I've got to feel like that helps Utah more than if this was a Week 7 game, for instance, and you lost your starting quarterback the week before. Yeah, absolutely. This is the same song and dance that we saw last year with Utah. If you recall when they played, I think it was Washington State on the road on like a Thursday or Friday night. We're all tuning into that game like, oh, Cam Rising's not playing tonight. Surprise, surprise. We found that out at kickoff. So very similar vibes to this one. Utah handled business in that game relatively easy behind their defense and run game. And I think they'll be able to do it against Florida as well. I think that six and a half point line kind of already had the cam rising injury baked into it for me i think utah is the more proven team at this point there's no anthony richardson making crazy plays to bail out florida this year utah really handed that game away they were going in for a tying field goal at least maybe touchdown and fumbled it towards the goal line last year to lose that game down in gainesville and that was with the number four overall pick at quarterback for the gators so that guy's gone a lot of talent is gone for the gators and all these developments are screaming to take Florida. For me, I'm going to zig when everyone else is zagging and still lock in Utah. Definitely at the four and a half line that it is now, and I think I'll stay with them at six and a half as well. Yeah, I'm I'm sticking with my Utes. I just couldn't leave them at this point. Look, the Florida Gators, last time they played a Pac-12 team was in their bowl game 
and that team couldn't throw the football at all, and they got absolutely destroyed. Now I know it's a different year, and you know whatever. But uh, I'm just not going to believe in the Florida Gators right now. Uh, I don't think that they're a very good football team. And look, anything can happen. Utah doesn't have their quarterback. I feel a little betrayed that Cam Rising decided to tweet out that he was going to be fine in the middle of the summer, and now he's <laughs> not fine. He was like clowning people for suggesting he would even miss this game, and then turns out he's maybe the the trickster. So I'm I'm not necessarily feeling great about that. But we're gonna forgive Cam. He'll be back soon. Uh, for me, this is just gonna be on the back of Jaquin and Jackson being a stud. Um, I, I don't think Florida is gonna have an answer for him. I think this is your introduction to one of my offseason breakout candidates. Uh, and so yeah, I'm gonna go with uh, I'm gonna go with Big Jaquin and Jackson. We're gonna we're gonna stick with Utah. Give me minus six and a half, give me minus four and a half, whatever line you want to give me. I'm going to take Utah. This is so interesting because this truly does affect how I pick the game. So when I pick the game, Florida plus six and a half, I think Florida can stay within the number for two reasons. One, I think their play in the trenches is going to be good enough to – keep Jaquin and Jackson from going crazy. Now, I think Jackson's going to get his. I think that's where Utah's offense is going to have to roll through. But if you remember last year, Florida's defense stood up against Utah when it absolutely mattered the most, and they stuffed the run, right? Now, at home versus away, I get that's a different dynamic, but Florida has been recruiting, especially on the defensive line, at an SEC level. That's kind of the one position group that I'm not super concerned about with them. Um they also have Trevor Etienne, right? And, you know, listen, Graham Mertz supposedly has more tread on the tires. Uh, you know, if you you listen to the other shows, I heard Josh Pate talking about it. The Wisconsin staff, the outgoing Wisconsin staff, kind of admitted, yeah, we, we kind of mishandled him. We didn't manage Graham Mertz the way that he needed to be managed in order to play winning football. Remember, at one, once upon a time after a win, I guess, uh, I think it was over Illinois a couple of years ago, Graham Mertz was supposed to be a Heisman frontrunner, right? The week one Heisman award was given to one freshman Graham Mertz. Uh, it's been nothing but a seemingly slippery slope since then. So I don't think necessarily that you're going to get a terrible performance from Mertz. I just don't know that he's a winner, a, a game wrecker at the level that Florida is going to need in order to be really, really good this season. Uh, ETN is. And and so I like Florida to keep this close. I think it's a little bit of a rock fight. If it's at six and a half, I think Florida can, can keep it within six and a half. If you take me all the way down to four and a half, I don't know. Maybe I'm more inclined to say Utah is the better whole team. Um, regardless, I would not put money or nuggies on this no. game with a 10 foot ball. I mean, keep me. Absolutely not. The heck away from this game from a betting standpoint, but uh, you know, enjoy I'll, I'll ride without for- that uh, without that added incentive. Just enjoy the football game. Exactly. I don't. I don't need any any additive here. So I'm going to take Florida uh, plus the points here. You guys are going to ride with Utah. I think Utah wins the game, but I think Florida keeps it maybe closer than than what some folks are expecting. Guys, let's go to Fort Worth, shall we? Uh, again, 160 degrees right across the. The Metroplex from where we're going to be taking in a little American football. Colorado at number 17 at TCU. The Horned Frogs are 20 and a half point favorites. This is a Saturday 11 a.m. kick on Fox. Um, guys, Colorado's roster includes just 10 
players who are on the roster in 2022. And it's been a total overhaul by Deion Sanders. Colorado's got a very talented roster. I will give you that. And Deion is one heck of a salesman. I even think there's a lot of merit in his coaching style. But to tell me that the vast majority and nearly every single starter on this Colorado team is going to be brand spanking new and they're going to go in and compete against a TCU team that sure lost some pieces from last year, but also reloaded and also has guys that were on last year's roster that are ready to step up. I don't get that vibe. I'm not a Shadur Sanders believer right now. He's going to have to prove a lot to me that he can step up and compete at this level. I am going to take Colorado plus the 20 and a half because I think that's an outrageous number. Uh, and I think there will be some bumps in you know, guys coming in from the transfer portal on both sides. But to to assume that Colorado's competitive in this game or could even win, is it's a bridge too far for me. Yeah, it's really interesting because the team talent composite for uh, from 247 Sports came out today. And Colorado's number 35, which I think is higher than I was expecting. I know they brought in a ton of talent from the transfer portal, but they're 35th and better than I was expecting, uh, but still not quite as high as what TCU. TCU checks in at number 19. People forget that TCU brought in a lot of talent in the portal this year. and They brought more proven on the field talent to me for my money than what uh, Colorado was able to bring in. Talented guys, no doubt, in Boulder that I think are going to be really, really good for that program in the long term. But plain and simple, I think TCU is just leaps and bounds ahead of where Colorado is right now. So I'm going to take the big number at home. I think it's a, the heat's going to play a factor as well. I don't know that the guys from Colorado are going to be ready for this heat that we've been having in the Metroplex. So give me TCU minus 20 and a half, and I'm going to uh, be pretty comfortable with that. Yeah, Trey, to your point on the talent composite, I was looking at that earlier too. Um, the, the difference in the talent composite, I like to look up and look down. If you're talking about the talent in the teams, if Colorado looks up to TCU and they look down the same distance, it's West Virginia. So that's the difference in terms of roster points and where they are. So they are about a West Virginia behind TCU. Um, so look, I mean, it is what it is. Colorado is looking in the right direction. I think we've been extremely clear about this. Colorado is going to be better than they were last year. Colorado is going to have something to watch. It's going to be fun. I was talking with a guy today at work and he was asking about what's going on with Colorado and like, do you actually think they're going to be any good? I said, look, I don't think they even care if they're all that good. They're going to be flashy and relevant, right? They want to win, but Colorado is going to be a team that matters and you're not going to be able to just say, oh, so Colorado, that's obviously a win the same way that you're going to do this year with teams like Cal and Stanford in that conference. So, you know, I think that that's going to be fine for them. But TCU, like this is the team that was just in the national championship game. Don't pay attention to the results in that game that they, you know, they're getting their quarterback that won the battle last year over Duggan and then got hurt. He's coming back. You got loads of guys coming in in the wide receiver room. And, and so I'm optimistic. I think things can go really well. I'm excited. Um, and so, you know, I think TCU is going to go ahead and go and win this one by more than the 20 and a half. And I wouldn't be a very good resident of Tarrant County if I wouldn't pick the TCU Horn Frog. So give me TCU sticking with the boys over here on this side of the Metroplex. Uh, yeah, Horn Frog is going to roll this one. I just, I get stuck on that number because while, yes, Colorado is a country road away from TCU as far mm-hmm. as roster talent, <laughs> uh, 
they're still supposed to be one of the best collective units in the country. And, sure. and so for that reason, I'm going to ride with the number. But I will say, guys, just as a final remark here before we move to UTSA in Houston, one of these teams won 13 games and made it to a national championship last year. One of these teams won a single game. So, you know, I listen, it's it's not entirely the, the same roster at all. But this Colorado program has to figure out how to win, and it does not start in week one, in uh, in our opinion. Did you mention your note, Mitch, how many guys are left over from that roster last year? I did. I think a couple of times, 10. Okay. Uh, hard Great. hard to build a winning make football sure we got that in there. We, I, I railed on USC last year for the amount of transfers that they brought in with Lincoln Riley. And, and listen, you know, was that kind of right? Did they compete for a national championship? No. Did they over... Did they prove me wrong as far as the win total? Yes. Maybe Colorado does that this year, but I do stand firm on the fact that Colorado, like USC, has to learn how to win in the biggest games. USC did not do that last year. Colorado won't this year either. Look, Mitch, you're totally right. Lincoln Riley and Deion Sanders are the same guy in terms of offensive masterminds and coaching prowess and all that, right? They, they might dress the same or like they might, you know, have similar levels of like swag, but Lincoln Riley's a much better offensive coach uh, than, than, than Deion is. So we'll, we'll see what coach prime can pull off. Um, but he, he's got a far cry before he starts touching what Lincoln Riley can do on offense. So. I bet you know. Dion can make a better brisket, though. That, that's my. Money that's probably definitely true. I think I think I can make a better brisket than, <laughs> than what Lincoln's known for. Um, guys, let's go down south, right? Let's go to to UTSA in Houston, sticking in Lone Star State, Saturday, six p.m. on FS1. Garrett, why on earth is this line at UTSA minus one and a half? Because Houston's defense is terrible. I don't know what to expect from their offense, and I do know that UTSA should be pretty darn good. Now, I know Zachariah Franklin is gone to Ole Miss. I get that, but but UTSA still has a number of weapons and an improved defense from a season ago. Why, what am I missing? Uh, I... I... I don't know. Um, it's it's got to be maybe that they're like maybe both teams have like smaller than you'd expect fan bases, so they're just trying to draw money out. Um, I, I maybe nobody's really paying attention to this game because neither of these teams are like historically massive brands. End of the day, I think UTSA is the the kind of secret. You know, be quiet. This is the team to look look out for. Uh, one of our best videos actually still running right now is the UTSA possibly going to Tennessee and making things crazy there. And, and yeah. we'll obviously talk about that when the day comes. But four. yeah, look, I mean, UTSA, great squad, going to be fun to watch this one. I personally have them with the minus one and a half, and I'll take a lot more than that. I don't know why they're only giving one and a half, but I'll take it if they'll give it to me. Yeah, and, you know, people mention who they lost in the transfer portal. They don't realize, you know, they don't talk about guys like, Rocco Griffin. They don't talk about guys like um, Bryce Grays from uh, Washington State that's coming back home from Texas. They picked up some really nice pieces in the transfer portal too. And like you guys said, Houston's defense is going to be trash this year. It is not going to be good. They're going to give up a ton of points. Frank Harris is not going to be trash this year. I feel very comfortable saying that in week one. So all three of us locked in again, UTSA, which means Houston's probably going to win this game. Sure. Yeah, I mean, listen, Houston <laughs> Houston might channel some Tom Herman magic, right, with, with this line. What 
what I'm just stuck on is UTSA is a favorite from the group of five to go to a New Year's Six game. Houston is a favorite to not even make a bowl game. So you're asking me with this line to to just pick a winner, and for me, I, I can't give it to Houston even though they're at home. I think UTSA can win this one comfortably, especially if that, that defense for the Cougars doesn't show up. Um, I don't know how you're going to stop Frank Harris. So give me the Roadrunners. We're all taking the Roadrunners. So once again, congrats me, to Houston. This is a pro-Meep podcast. I want to say it once again for all the people in the back. We, we absolutely are big UTSA fans. Um, guys, let's go out east now. And uh, this line from what I've been hearing on Twitter, is also insultingly large, but I'm going to lean into it. Penn State, the seventh-ranked team in the country, hosting West Virginia Saturday night on NBC. This is a 6.30 kick in the Central Time Zone. I'm on record. Penn State's one of my playoff picks. They're my number two seed. They're my Big Ten champion. Um, I don't know how hypocritical I would look if I said that they struggle with West Virginia. You know, you could try to make a moment, and, and, and make a case that West Virginia competes in a rivalry game. And well, it's a fresh slate and they're fresh out of, you know, spring training, right? Everyone's going to go 162 and oh. <laughs> You're led by Neil Brown. Your quarterback's Garrett Green. Um, your defensive line is not all that. Your secondary is even worse than it was last year. Penn State rolls minus 20 and a half. I don't really have much else to say. I just switched my pick in this one. And I'm going to tell you guys why. Um, Neil Brown's going to do some crazy, stupid stuff this year, and I'm scared that that's going to influence the line on this game. Look, I'm talking going forward on ridiculous fourth downs. He's going to be running fake punts. He's going to be, you know, calling it like a middle schooler on Madden. And I don't know if you guys have ever played a middle schooler in Madden. It is dangerous when they just run four verts the entire time. For sure. And they hit a couple of them, and all of a sudden you're not winning by as many as you thought you were, and you have to really clamp down. So – Penn State is by miles and miles away the better team in this game, but Neil Brown doing just some bat, you know what, crazy stuff is really scaring me. So I'm going to take uh, West Virginia plus 20 and a half. Trey, you got an experience to tell us about about a middle schooler <laughs> kicking your tail on Madden recently? I'm kicking my tail, but you know they they, they <laughs> keep it closer when they just do the stupid stuff. That's what I was gonna say. Do we do we need a support group for this or something? Um, but no, I'm I'm with Mitch on this. Penn State minus 20 and a half. You give me a lot more points than that, I probably still take it. West Virginia, Neil Brown, you're gonna be on job watch here at the end of December. So uh, you know, I'm I, I don't know. I don't know what else to say about this one that hasn't already been said. I think that you know it's not gonna be close. Penn State's you know gonna get rolling, they gotta get rolling, and when you look at especially long-term in this season, how the playoff picture is going to end up panning out. If you are Penn State and you are planning on making the playoff, but you're not 100% sure you can win your division or you're trying to be that one-loss team that squeaks in or something like that, can't struggle against West Virginia. Got to have a really good resume. So I think they're going to be motivated to come out here and look really, really good on the eye test. Maybe the game of the week in the group of five is South Alabama at Tulane. Tulane, six-and-a-half-point favorites on Saturday night. You can find this on ESPNU at 7 p.m. Uh, Tulane and South Alabama are two huge conference favorites um, and two of the most talented teams in the group of five, certainly in contention for a New Year's Six Bowl if things were to break their way. Trey, you, you've got it said that this is one of the best games of the week uh, in your mind. Uh, tell the folks what they should expect and 
you know, six and a half, it's it's a one-score game. To me, these two teams are more evenly matched than that. Is that number too big for you? It's a little too big for me. I'm going to go ahead and take South Alabama plus the six and a half. And if you don't know a lot about these two teams, of course, Tulane burst onto the scene in the Cotton Bowl last year, knocking off USC in an upset win. That was just awesome to be at and see live, but just a really, really fun team last year. They bring back their coach. They bring back Michael Pratt at the quarterback position. They do lose Ty J Spears, who was a huge, huge part of their offense, not just in that Cotton Bowl game, but all year long. So it's going to be really interesting to see who steps up to fill that gaping hole on the offensive side of the ball. But then you look at South Alabama and their defense was just fantastic last year. They were a really great defensive uh, minded team, uh, ran through the Sun Belt, did a really great job in that conference. They didn't get to play James Madison in the championship. I really would have loved to see that matchup in the Sun Belt uh, last year, but yeah, just the defense is going to be really, really solid for the Jaguars and something to really watch. I, I'm excited to see these two, those two sides of the ball match up because you got maybe the best G5 quarterback in the country matched up against maybe the best defense, G5 defense in the country. It's going to be a really exciting game because of those two units. I'm going to just lean into the number. I'm going to take South Alabama plus the six and a half and uh, kind of roll with the underdog in this one. Yeah, Trey, I took Tulane minus six and a half. I love what they're bringing back. Obviously, losing Ty J Spears, that's, I mean, that's your best player on offense last year. And he's looking real good if you're watching some of those preseason games and what he's been able to do. He's starting to look real good in the NFL as well. But I'm still taking Tulane minus the six and a half. Really impressed with what they did last year. Not to take anything away from South Alabama, but I just think I'm going to roll with what they're bringing back. They did pretty well in the transfer portal as well. I think they did. Uh, so they picked up some big pieces that are going to help that team out a lot. So I uh, look for them to maybe be a little bit more pass heavy this year, pass the ball a little bit more, but um, no, I'm still going to pick Tulane minus the six and a half in this one, uh, kind of keep the ball rolling from last year. And, and I mean, that place is going to be super, super fun uh, to be at, you know, it, it'd be my you know desired travel to game this week. If I could only pick one that wasn't local, I'd probably want to go there just purely based on vibes alone after what they just did last season. I can't wait to watch this one. I think this is certainly going to have to occupy some some real estate um, at our watch party on Saturday night. I'm going to take South Alabama plus the number as well, and it's for two reasons. One, I don't know that Tulane's defense is going to be as good as it was a season ago. Two, Trey, you mentioned South Alabama's defense is good, but their offense is a ton of fun as well. Yeah. Carter Bradley threw for over 3,000 yards last season. Threw, threw a couple more interceptions, I think than folks would would have liked especially late in the season but still 28 touchdowns to his name um and then you've got your first and your third leading receivers from last year's team coming back uh Devin Boyson uh, had almost 900 yards on 60 what was it 64 catches five touchdowns and then uh Colin Lacey was third on the team as well so they've got a lot of continuity in their skill position players and the defense does as well I kind of think South Alabama might be the better team. They're going on the road, but better team uh, with a more explosive offense in my mind. Give me the Jaguars uh, plus the six and a half Saturday night. That wraps up our main screen games. Now, there are certainly other games that you should have at least an eyeball on. And Trey, we were watching YouTube TV's Quad Box Week Zero. Now, it had some weird suggestions in Week Zero. Yeah. <laughs> hey, if YouTube TV wants to lob us a sponsorship, absolutely. 
We'll take uh, a referral code for Sunday Ticket. I've heard him on all the podcasts. Sure we run your Sunday Ticket ad in the in the you know background ad. So come on, <laughs> right? Exactly. Uh, so with that being said, our quad box worthy games, and these will be quick hitters, uh, but we've got several. First of all, if you heard the podcast about a month ago, Bobby Wilson from TNT College Football Podcast was on a big. UConn believer this year. He has the Huskies going eight and four. That eight and four campaign in his mind starts this uh, Thursday, 6 30 p.m. on CBS Sports Network. They host the Wolfpack of NC State, who are 14 and a half point favorites. Guys, Brennan Armstrong takes over quarterback for the Wolfpack coming over from uh, the University of Virginia, the left handed slinger. Um, so NC State's offense should be good. My question is, is UConn complete enough to, one, keep this a game, or two, spoil everything for the Wolfpack uh, to start the season? Yeah, I think that they are. Um, I, I picked them to go plus 14 and a half. I think that this is maybe on upset alert. I wouldn't necessarily quite put it there. I don't think they're going to beat NC State, but for me, the 14 and a half is a massive line for a team that really needs to prove it on offense in NC State. Uh, look, I wasn't impressed with them last year, and you can blame all sorts of stuff if you want to, but Brennan Armstrong had a really great year a couple years ago, not so good last year, um, and so I guess we'll have to wait and see which version of Brennan Armstrong we get. Uh, defense should be great, but I, I, I'm going to go ahead and say that UConn covers the 14.5 until NC State can prove it to me on offense. Now, they could come out there, rattle off a couple touchdown drives in a row, and I'm eating crow, but until they do that, I can't believe in what the Wolfpack can do on offense. I'm going to go the other way here. I am quietly starting to think this could be the year after the year for NC State, if you know what I mean. Like, we were all really high on them last year. Injuries really derailed that season, took away that it could have been something special. I love the Brennan Armstrong pickup, and I love that they're bringing his old offensive coordinator, Robert Anai, with him. I think they're going to pick up right where they left off. I'm really sorry to uh, Bobby, but I think NC State takes this one, and I'm going to take him to cover as well. I'm going to admit that some folks are just smarter than me at uh, at calling football games. And I'm going to trust Bobby here. I'm going to take UConn plus the 14 and a half at home. <laughs> I also think that NC State could have a really good season. I, I don't know that Brennan Armstrong is this mythical creature that maybe he was at Virginia with, you know, Keaton Thompson and kind of a wacky offense that they had going there. But I will say, uh, you know, maybe Robert and I, is able to install some of those pieces uh, at, at NC State. I think they have a really good season, but I don't know. UConn might have a little bit of juice this season. 14 and a half, they can lose by 14 and cover this number. I'll, I'll go with the Huskies here um, at home in the opener to cover that number. Now, we, we have a twofer here, and mostly because both of these teams are addressing the exact same storyline. Number three, Ohio State, a 13 point – or a 13 – a 30-point favorite on the road in Bloomington. Ohio State playing, minus 13, lock of the year. <laughs> lock it up. <laughs> playing, playing the Indiana Hoosiers. You pair that with number four, Alabama, who are 39-point favorites. Got it right that time. Against uh, the fighting Brent Stockstills of Middle Tennessee State, both teams are looking for their QB1, right? Uh, Ohio State did announce uh, their starting quarterback uh, in um, – and Devin, uh, why am I blanking on his name? Devin Brown. Devin Brown. Does that, does that sound right? Yep. Uh, Alabama more than likely is going with Jalen Milrow, although, you know, 
we we may see a Tommy Reese special here uh, if if Milrow is not getting it done. I, I don't know that they're going to struggle against the Blue Raiders, but either way, both teams have really really good receiving cores, but they're lacking that immediate difference maker at quarterback. Alabama has an elite offensive line. They have great running back options. Ohio State, they may not need to run the ball at all to win, even though they've got Travion Henderson. Uh, They've got that good of a wide receiver core. Do both of these teams cover the number while they're really taking fall camp into week one with the quarterback position? Real quick, did y'all hear that Devin Brown is going to be the starter? Because I'd heard it was going to be Kyle McCord. Uh, and, and no, you're right. You're right. That's why okay. I got it mixed up in my brain. Kyle McCord is the starter at Ohio State. Devin Brown Great. will also play. That's my bad. Gotcha. Okay. So just making sure that that kind of backed up my take here. So I want to make sure that I didn't miss something. Um, yeah, I'm taking maybe a little bit of a hot take. I don't think either of these two teams cover week one. I think both right. of them are going to be working in multiple quarterbacks. You talk about 30 plus point spreads it's really difficult to get rhythm when you're trying to get multiple guys reps. Don't, don't get me wrong. I don't think either Alabama or Ohio state is going to struggle with Indiana or Mississippi or middle Tennessee. But when you're trying to get Kyle McCord and Devin Brown reps, when you're trying to get Jalen Milrow, I'm a little more concerned about Alabama to be honest, because if they're trying to run the same offense with Jalen Milrow and Tyler Buckner and maybe Ty Simpson as well. Those are just three completely different guys. Uh, talk about not having a cohesive you know, game plan there. I'm sure they'll be fine. I'm sure they'll win by 30 points, but 39 is a lot when you don't have that cohesiveness on the offensive side of the ball, and you're trying to work in a lot of new guys at wide receiver. You're trying to work in a lot of new guys at running back as well. So, yeah, give, give me both of the underdogs to cover here but still get blown out and – neither of these to be close. Yeah, Trey, I don't even know if it's that hot of a take. I mean, for both these teams, you want to see the quarterbacks develop some, you know, chemistry with the receivers. You want to see the defense come out with a solid shutdown performance. I know there's some question marks on defense for both teams, but I think if you can do that as Alabama and Ohio State, you end up feeling good about yourself at the end of the day. But uh, if you can't do that, you're maybe a little bit close to where some of the USC fans are right now, where they're, they're maybe a little bit in the woe is me. I was talking with some of them in the comments and they were, definitely lamenting their performance week one. You'd hate to see that from an Alabama and Ohio state as well. So play some good defense, get some chemistry going, win these games handily. Uh, but yeah, I don't think covering is on the table for either of them with as many question marks as they do have. Indiana's really bad. And I don't know a ton about the blue Raiders this season. I missed their projection last year. I said they weren't even a threat to make a bowl game. And then they went and curb stomped Miami at home. Um, but Alabama could run the ball every single time, and I think they would they would cover that number against the Blue Raiders. So I'm actually going to take both teams to cover. Um, I don't know that Indiana is going to score very much, and Ohio can put up 30 plus in their sleep, even even with you know quarterbacks that aren't necessarily elite. Uh, all right, last two games here: Coastal Carolina at UCLA and Fresno State at. Purdue UCLA is a 14 and a half point favorite Saturday night on ESPN. That's a nine 30 kick here in God's time zone. Uh, Fresno state Purdue is a Saturday, 11 AM big 10 network special guys. I, I kind of think that there's going to be a lot of offense in both of these games. So whether you're a big 10 fan uh, or a future big 10 fan, maybe tune into these contests. Coastal Carolina still got grace McCall. Uh, in his 18th year of eligibility, it feels like. And 
I don't think UCLA is going to play very much defense this year. Meanwhile, the air raid is being installed at Purdue. And, you know, listen, I know Graham Harrell's collegiate career hasn't really done much since he left the playing ranks, but he does have Hudson cards slinging the rock. Um, I think this is going to be a ton of fun. I think Coastal can keep it close with UCLA. I think Purdue has a chance to put a lot of points on the board, which we're not used to seeing them do. Yeah, I'm taking the over in both of these games. I think the Coastal UCLA one sitting at 66 right now. Purdue Fresno State one is sitting only at 47 and a half. I, I'm starting to get a little excited about the Boilermakers. I think Hudson Card and Graham Harrell could be a really, really fun pairing. I'm starting to think that they'll have a really fun offense this year, a little different than what they've had in the past. Also a defensive-minded head coach for the first time in a long time at Purdue. So it be just really interesting to see how those minds meld. Um, I don't know that UCLA, I think UCLA could be suffering from a little bit of the Ohio State and uh, Alabama syndrome as well because they're going to be playing multiple quarterbacks as well. Uh, I was really bummed that Dante Moore didn't win the starting job outright, but it sounds like he's going to play a lot. It sounds like they're going to maybe play up to three quarterbacks in significant time on Saturday. So to me, give me coastal Carolina to cover that spread. They're too talented on offense to uh, take lightly. And I don't think UCLA is quite there on defense just yet in week one and give me Purdue to win this one uh, outright and also cover that three and a half point spread. Yeah, Trey, I'm going to agree with you right there. A couple of really fun games to watch. I'm going to go ahead and put UCLA on upset watch here. Um, I, I think that they could really sort of struggle while they're trying to figure stuff out in the post-DTR, post-Zach Charbonnet era. Um, and, and, you know, with as much as they're going to be trying to figure out, Coastal's not coming into this one just to kind of compete and pick up a paycheck or, or something like that. They're they're coming in there ready to make some noise. Uh, I think there's a chance they get them. I'm not going to pick them to win right now, but I wouldn't be shocked if we're looking at this one late in the fourth quarter saying, what the heck is UCLA doing? And so I'm, I'm going to put them on upset watch. Give me Coastal plus the 14 and a half. And then, yeah, I think Purdue's probably a little bit slept on this year. Like you were saying, the combination of Graham Harrell and Hudson Card, I think would be really fun to watch. So, you know, yeah, give me Purdue minus three and a half and, and a bunch more points on the board for them. It'd be fun if Coastal Carolina got a stop on defense to upset UCLA. I mean, gosh, that would be <laughs> that would just be a couple of miracles working in their favor. South Alabama almost went into the Rose Bowl last year with DTR yeah. and not, almost knocked them off. So Coastal can definitely do it. Now, I do I do really worry about Coastal's ability to stop Carson Steele. Um, he may say, "Take the fourteen and a half and shove it in your face," and uh, <laughs> you know the ball the ball state transfer might get it done. By his lonesome, but uh, but we'll see. Guys, we made it. We made it through our first full slate of the season. Uh, we're really excited to, to get week one kicked off. Again, it, it starts tonight. If you're listening to this on Thursday, plenty of action on Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and Monday night. If you're listening to this a little bit later in the week. If you're interested in our betting segment, the ledger, Trey referenced it off the top. Uh, it's over on our YouTube channel, YouTube slash 3TechPod. You can find that uh, we you know, have a year-long wagering competition going on. It is a YouTube exclusive, so you won't find it here in the podcast. You have to go to the video format to watch. Um, I'm really excited to, to get this going. We have our obviously our week one headlines and review that will be out on the Transfer Portal CFB website. Head on over to homefieldapparel.com as well and check out all their new collections. Use our code 3TechPod to get 15% off your entire order. For Trey Reeves and Garrett Turney, I'm Mitch Mason. Thanks so much for listening. Until next time, 
So long, everybody. Gracious, yeah. how about that?